Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for tuning into the Huddle Basketball IQ Workshop Series presented by Huddle Assist. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you'll get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready for you when you need them. And Assist is more than just the box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings you stats and brings you your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. You can see every shot, turnover, rebound, and more with just a few clicks. We're excited to talk mentorship and staying connected in tonight's chat and joining us is a great group of coaches to help with that conversation. Let me go around real quickly here and have our coaches introduce themselves. Andrew, why don't you go ahead and start and introduce yourself just quickly who you are, where you're at, and we'll work our way around to Mike there and then to the rest of, of the group. I'm Andrew Wingreen, uh, down at Stetson University in Florida. Looking forward to being on the panel tonight. Uh, Mike Stotsky, assistant coach for Harvard Men's Basketball. Thanks so much for having me and uh, looking forward to learning with all of you. I'm uh, Chad Bailey at uh, Holston High School. Uh, we're a single-A school in uh, southwest Virginia, and uh, I'm tickled to be on here with you guys. Hi, I'm Kyle McVeigh. I'm the athletic director and boys basketball varsity coach at Schaumburg Christian School up in the northwest suburbs of Chicago. Looking forward to talking with everyone today. Hi, I'm Carlos LeBron. I'm the head basketball coach at Bristol, New Jersey. Thank you for having me. Yeah, Graham Maxwell, assistant at Emmanuel College in Georgia. Yeah, just excited to be here. Appreciate these guys being willing to join us tonight. Let me go ahead and get started with the topic of communication. Because of the pandemic, I know each of these guys are at different points in their season. Um, but the question kind of overarching that we want to start out with here is, how are you staying connected and making sure players and coaches are in regular communication as a team? Coach Chatsky, I'd like to start with you. I believe you're in a unique situation compared to probably the rest of the guys here in the group. You still haven't, I believe, you still haven't even seen your players this school year. Is that right? How has that process been and how have you guys stayed connected with those guys? Yeah, well, it's, it's a good question and it's obviously been a challenge for us this year. Uh, we have a roster of 16 and only three are on campus right now. So 13 of our players are studying remotely. Uh, and for us, that means... Uh, you know, the word you use, communication. And so keeping the lines open, making sure that they know that we're here for them, uh, if we can ever be helpful. Uh, and then also where we are initiating uh, communication with them, both on an individual basis. Uh, so each of us as coaches, obviously, we have our own relationships with our players. Uh, so checking in on them, uh, sometimes in a social way, and then sometimes specific to academics, basketball, uh, all of the parts of their student experience. Uh, and then we also get together as a team. And so that'll be sometimes once a week, uh, every other week, just to make sure that we're keeping that locker room atmosphere uh, alive, even if it's in this kind of virtual space. And our guys, to their credit, meaning the ones who uh, have not been on campus uh, and the ones who've been on campus have been awesome. 
uh, and I think that they've really, um, you know, taken to the, the, you know, adjustment that they've had to make. And we've tried to emphasize as a staff um, finding small wins. And so whether that's, you know, having your best academic semester or, you know, I don't have gym access, well, you can work on your left hand. Uh, so, so that's been kind of our mindset. And I think that that's been a good way to keep guys focused, engaged and upbeat. Is there anything that any of you are doing that maybe either involves technology or even non-basketball related that you're doing to either mentor the players or just simply kind of bring them together as a group so that they're communicating with each other or interacting with each other, anything like that? We'll have in those team meetings, our players present on different topics. And so we might assign the sophomore class an article from the Atlantic and do a little additional background research and, and present uh, so that we're learning uh, and, you know, it's not 94 by 50. It's not, you know, pick and roll defense. It's uh, something about social justice. And so that's one thing we've done. Carlos, go ahead. Uh, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this and some of the ways that you've kept your players involved. Can you, can you kind of speak to that? Yeah, one of the things with us in Jersey, we um, they, they haven't allowed us to do anything with us. I have not seen my guys live since the end of the season. So a lot of stuff me and my staff have done is we go through WebEx and we have team meetings. I have had college coaches come talk to them. Also, I like to have individual meetings on the social scale, as Coach Strasky said. See where they at mentally with this pandemic, because, you know, it's even for us, it's hard. Imagine for a young man to deal with this. So I like to know where they at at the moment, stuff like that. Sometimes we'll go on huddle and watch game film and just say, hey, listen, let's look at this game. See if we did this a little bit better. We could, and then I'll send them drills through PowerPoints and stuff like that. And that's how I've been communicating with our players. But the one thing is, the main thing is that we communicate to each other. And like your coach said, just make sure that we that keep that team atmosphere and keep them motivated. For the guys that have been able to see their players and interact with them, is there anything that unique that you've done or any adjustments that you've made that you found that have been helpful? I mean, we've been able to you know work with our guys, but I wouldn't say we've done anything super unique. I do want to kind of echo what both Coach uh, Carlos and Mike both said about, you know, really on an individual basis, staying in touch with these guys because as much as we want to focus on basketball and we're getting so close to the season and then and yes, we're putting in plays and we're putting in things, but these guys mentally need to, we need to stay on them because you hear these stats of, you know, one in four kids contemplate suicide. And that's kind of scary when you think about the basketball team, you think about, man, we got 12 to 15 dudes on our team. And if that stat is true, you gotta imagine these guys are just resting with things. And, and a lot of these teams are in quarantine. They can't be out practicing. And so I think just really digging deeper on that level is huge. And that, you know, from that is a little different and unique because um, we're not always used to talking about these things, but just being willing to have those conversations with our guys during this time. We're on a hybrid model. So we're actually back in school. So we will see basically kids A through L on Monday and Tuesday and then like M through Z Thursday and Friday. And then we're off Wednesday, but we're able to have all of our guys, uh, you know, in practice. The problem is we can't do any kind of scrimmaging. Actually, today was our first day to supposed to practice, but we're actually starting December the 7th. In Virginia, there are some schools, particularly in Northern Virginia, that have actually canceled their season. So far, we're good. But the main thing is trying to get some kind of sense of normalcy and, and kind of going back to Coach Wingreen there, uh, you know, talking about the, the mental aspect of it and the mental health. Um, now, the biggest thing our guys are struggling with is they, they can't uh, scrimmage. So right now we're trying to do a lot of skill work. We're trying to do a lot of, uh, you know, competitions and 
uh, you know, a lot of five on zero kind of go through our offense and, and trying to get to make things as normal as possible. But, you know, I'll catch guys over there you know, playing one on one, like, you know, on a water break. And I mean, they are watching us like Hawks. And then and that's that's what we kind of worry about. And again, just trying to get some kind of sense of normalcy. Yeah, I'll be quick. One of the things that we've done this year, uh, because we do have our players, you know, on campus and we're um, getting ready to play here in a couple of weeks. Uh, one of the things we've done this year we haven't done previously is uh, we're doing book clubs with our groups. And, and uh, we have like a book club with our leadership, our leaders. Um, and then, uh, you know, another book we have specifically for another group and then our freshmen coming in. So we have four different groups. We're doing four different books. Um, allowed them to kind of meet outside of what we're doing with them as a team. And uh, it's, it's just been really good for them to kind of develop some more communication outside of the basketball talk that they hear every single day. And it's just been a really unique experience for them because as we take pride in the coaches, you know, growing every single off season, especially with this kind of extended and, and awkward off season, um, we wanted to put that into practice and have our players doing the same thing that, a lot of us are doing as well as coaches. You know, managing player safety is another topic at the forefront of our minds. Anybody can jump in on this one, but maybe some ideas for ways players can safely work out in, in any type of environment, even if they can't get into a gym. I know um, for us, we were lucky with having, we're a high school and in Illinois, we have some pretty pretty intense guidelines right now that were protocols that we're following. So anytime our students um, and athletes are in the building, anyone in the building needs to wear masks. So that involves workouts and, and playing basketball scrimmage, anything like that. So one of the things we did early on was try to utilize outside. So a lot of, we had two basketball hoops outside. So a lot of our guys took advantage of that during quarantine. And when it was, when it was nice weather, which Illinois is about to end the nice weather, but before that we were able to utilize outside as much as possible. I think that's a, that's a great way to get shots up still um, and be able to, get a workout in, um, even though you can't be inside and, and feel the same as being in a gym, it's still a good workout. So a lot of our guys utilize that. And I try to encourage them to get outside as much as possible. A lot of times I think nowadays kids don't aren't used to playing outside. So an opportunity for them to still get shots up and work out. And that worked out well for us. Let me ask a follow-up to that related to player development, kind of sticking on that topic, but how do you build consistency with your workouts and, and holding players accountable so they don't get bored with stuff, you know, for some of them too, while they can't work directly with a coach, you know, is, is there anything that you've done or programs that you've used or, you know, devices that you've used that have helped keep players accountable and maybe even continue to help them uh, be competitive or foster that idea of competitiveness, even though you can't practice with the whole group at the same time? I think the biggest thing I was going to say with the communication aspect of it is we do have a team text. And so I think peer pressure, positive peer pressure is a, is a good thing. So I've, I've done this even with other sports that I, I communicate with and team group text with, but just, Hey, send us a picture when you're, when you're getting a workout in, you know, and it's that daily reminder, like, Oh man, he's, he's working out. He's getting his, he's getting his reps in, he's getting his workout in. And that's kind of that, you know, even through a text, it actually encourages guys that, hey, everyone else is in this together. Um, and it's also kind of held some accountability. If you're the only guy in the group text that hasn't sent a picture saying, hey, I got my workout in today, um, that does kind of, you know, makes you feel like, man, I'm outside and I'm not I'm not getting it done. So um, that that has helped. I think um, I've been on, a, like I said, a couple of different sports teams um, at our school that have done that. And uh, it's kind of that positive peer pressure to, to keep guys motivated and to encourage others to, to keep working hard. 
I think that's big. And, and I would add, you know, everything right now is, is pretty much optional. You know, you may have actual organized team events, but essentially everything is optional. So is winning. And so there, there are going to be people that are putting in the work. I mean, it's no different. Uh, obviously there are obstacles in place now, but there are opportunities to, you know, if you, if you literally have no access to a gym, which I'm not diminishing that, that may be the reality for some players. You should be in the best shape of your life, that you should be running constantly in, in room work, you know, whatever it is. Uh, and just trying to keep that mindset as much as possible in terms of the competitiveness coach that you're talking about, compete with yourself. You know, it should be your best academic semester. You should be, uh, in the best shape of your life. I mean, those are things that, in a sense, we can control all while, to Coach Winkery, in your point, uh, trying to create a supportive atmosphere so that guys are still where their spirit is positive as they're doing that, because that's huge as well. I would say one thing for us that's been helpful, you may not have access to a piece of technology that helps keep track of something. You know, we we just got, we were fortunate, we just got uh, a new Dr. Dish and we're able to use basically the the tracker that's built into it to monitor shooting and whatnot. And so the guys get a printout every single week. We post that in the locker room. You know, you can do that digitally where where you're kind of fostering. They like to go up there and look at it every Monday to see who shot the best to follow the previous week. For those that are sitting there and thinking, well, I don't have access to something like that. You can go old school. I mean, if you really want them being competitive, you can track that on your own, make an Excel Excel file, have them submit stuff. You know, then the next thing that people are saying is, well, they're going to lie to me and whatever. Well, you all know that once you finally get together, the truth is going to come out who was actually shooting and who wasn't a situation like that. So I think still keeping track of things and, and keeping goals and whatnot. If you can do that, it may take you some extra time. But let's be honest, I think some of us are just finding any kind of excuse that we can to do something basketball related right now. So that may be another idea. Anybody else have, have something else maybe before we go on here? Yeah, obviously we have our guys right now. And, and I think through all this chaos and everything, one thing we've said we, we are going to commit to as a staff is just player development. There's so many things that are up in the air. The one thing we can commit to is getting our guys better. And uh, really just kind of like a blueprint as we're doing, you know, player development individuals throughout the week. Um, you know, the first thing I really feel like if we want our players to get buy-in, we have to explain the why. I think now more than ever, when you say something to players, they're they're not just going to go do it immediately. They need to understand why. And they're going to do that thing with more confidence and consistency. So I think it starts off like explaining the why, like why you're having them do something. Um, and next thing, the next thing that we have is, you know, set a routine. So when they come into the workout, like here's the expectations. Here's a few different workouts they're going to be doing a lot of the time. So they kind of know what to expect, where they can see growth. Um, a big third thing that we've allowed our players to do is the opportunity to lead. Um, if I go in and I show a specific drill we want them to do, hey, the second or third time through, I'm giving one of our players do it um, to lead them through it, to give them a voice. So it's not as much me talking. It's more on them. Um, and then the last two things, the thing that we've, we're doing this year more than we ever have is something we call like a daily pill. It's kind of like our diagnosis of, man, what is this player, player A, need? to level up like we're a division two school like what does player a need in order to be a division one basketball player and so that's what we're getting them to do every single day um, of the week and the last thing we get them to do is just a really really hard yet specific shooting workout where they're keeping sport scores it's competitive and uh you know we, we all know this like there's no greater feeling like getting done with a workout feeling like man i just got better you know like the sweat's dripping off your face and so um, that's what we we've implemented this year that I think has been beneficial for us so far. Who knows? We haven't played a game yet. We could, you know, 
again in a week and I say it was the worst idea we ever had. Right. So who knows? So far we like it. A couple of you have alluded to this, you know, talking about the physical side, but now a little bit more of the mental side. Um, what are some of the things, any suggestions for how you can improve players' basketball IQ even before maybe some of them have the opportunity to get back on the court? I mean, I'll start out. We, you know, it was awesome having the NBA this summer. It was kind of a unique circumstance, but there were so many opportunities to shoot guys film of NBA players who they look up to and they watch and they want be like and that's who they model games after so you know just finding clips of Damian Lillard coming off the ball screen being able to get guys to watch that film break it down see what he sees and you know as you know I know Grant's part of uh, PGC basketball they always talk about think the game and just giving these guys something that they can really um, you know utilize in their game so when they do get back on the court or when they go out in their driveway they can see these little nuances these little details that these NBA players are doing in film study. So I think, you know, film study is one huge way that you can uh, enhance the mental aspect for sure. So I am a big reader and I do recommend books to specific guys, which I think has been great uh, as a way of staying in touch with them. And you can do that at Harvard because uh, they'll actually read them. Um, <laughs> it's cool. But uh, the articles to me are great uh, because, you know, so much, and I'm the same way, so I'm not saying this in a disparaging way, but so much of the information you get is from Twitter, which is your own curated timeline. And so you're following only the things that you want to see. So you may be missing really good stuff. Uh, and so if all they're looking at is highlights or if all they're looking at is fashion, you know, whatever it is, they may miss a really interesting article that makes its way around our new cycle as coaches. That would be very valuable for players to read. And so is there an article uh, praising you know, Miami's unselfish culture that you can send them uh, so that that's on their mind. So it's, you know, don't get me wrong, Tyler Harrow's mean mug is awesome. And I was as excited as everybody else. But more interesting to me is Duncan Robinson's journey and what can we potentially learn there. Um, so I think that sending them those constant uh, reminders to reinforce your culture uh, in bite-sized pieces is important. Does anybody meet with, did you, did you meet either over the pandemic or even now, do you have team meetings over zoom or anything, even if you're not able to meet with them in person, anybody doing that? And if so, what did you do during those team meetings? Yeah, I have, I've done a lot of team meetings through zoom or WebEx. And uh, one of the things we do a lot is uh, we talk to each other as a team, as a program. What do you think what's, what's going on in the world right now? Just to get away a little bit from basketball, get them thinking, or oh, what's going on with your family or what's going What's going to come up in the following months? Anybody's traveling, even though some we can't travel as far. Uh, but one of the best things I've done is get some college coaches to come and talk to the guys. And that was very helpful because I could, you could see the, my players get a keen eye. What, how far they got to, what do they got to do to get to where they want to go? And Zoom has been very helpful for me. Like I got Richie Shula from out west, come talk to us. And um, a lot of people know Richie and talk to him about PhD hoops and their tours and all that stuff, you know, stuff of interest, just to get them away from the norm that we're living right now. But Zoom helped my guys out a lot. Yeah, we're able to, our students are in person. And so I have a couple of different, I don't really have a fancy term for it, but just leadership lunch is kind of what we talk about. So, I mean, kids are just eating in the cafeteria anyway. So I try to grab a couple um, of select, I guess, kids that I know are leaders on our team or even in our school that are other athletes. And I just eat lunch with them and I kind of send them something the week, uh, the day before or two days before just a quote or a thought 
or an article, uh, like was mentioned by Mike. And let's just talk about it, you know, and see how we can grow. Here's how I'm growing. Here's what stuck out to me this week as, a, as an AD and coach. And I think it's encouraging to you. So we have some really good discussion about that, how that looks like and applying that to right away um, in school. And then also on the team as we get closer to the season. So that's been fun. I think getting multiple people in there and just kind of having that conversation. Um, and I love asking questions um, like Co Coach Carlos said, like ask them, you know, how, how are you doing? Like, you know, and then when they say fine, ask it again. Like, no, really, how are you doing? You know, like get a little deeper and truly be like, hey, I'll, I'll admit right now as a coach, I'm struggling, right? Like it's not easy not being in our normal routine and all that. And so kind of let them know you're struggling too. And I think that's when you start to see them kind of be like, yeah, coach, there's a lot going on, you know, and they're, you know, they're struggling with not playing the sport they love and everything else being out of sorts. So you know, asking those questions and not just asking them real quick and moving on, but like sitting on it for a little bit and that awkward silence and letting them finally get to the point where they're willing to share um, has been really helpful for, for our program. Kyle brought up a great transition opportunity for me. I want to finish with this, but this could we could go on for a while with this. Um, I'd kind of like to hear from all of you because I, I know all of you have been active in doing this um, over the past eight months or so but connected to the networking component of it and the growth that you've done personal development wise, we've all had a lot of time on our hands to, you know, listen to even something like this that we're doing right now. What, what are some of the specific benefits that you've noticed for you personally of this time over the past eight or nine months to develop your connections that you have and even to grow in your knowledge of the game and maybe what are some lessons that you've learned from it and then also the idea of the knowledge overload where we just are sucking 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 all of this information but what are you going to do with it now so i think i asked like three or four questions there that's probably not the best way to do it but i think you all know where i'm going for going for on this one um graham let's start with you and then we can just work our way around but you know any of those that i just mentioned why don't why don't you or all of those if you want to go for it yeah you know what i mean through all of the webinars and i mean the podcast and everything there's just so much that we all have listened to and can take away but honestly the biggest benefit i saw um, I kind of I kind of like casted a wide net at some point during the pandemic and just reached out to I like scrolled down my phone and just reached out to a ton of people um, and just asked them a specific like scheme question, um, you know, just kind of X's and O's and things like that. Like, hey, what would you do? Why would you do it? Where would you do it? And who do you know that does this really well? You know, and so I was able to get on a phone call with so many different people. I, had, I, I didn't even know them before. Um, but I got directed in that um, in that direction. And we just talked hoops for, you know, 30 minutes to an hour, whatever it was, just about a scheme, um, a scheme specific question. To me, that was the that was the best part, because I felt like more people had time on their hands. You know, as a coach, you know, that you could reach out to them like, well, yeah, I'm ripping and running. I got two minutes here. You know, I got to do a finish a scout. I got to talk to a recruit. But it was nice just to kind of sit and talk hoops with people that I've never met before about something that I was interested in. And obviously they were interested in as well. Otherwise I probably wouldn't have been talking to them. Uh, so that, that ability to, to have more time on your hands to kind of uh, talk through specific basketball hoops. And um, yeah, so I, that was the biggest thing. And then just, yeah, the, the information overload, it's tricky. You come back to school and you're like, man, I learned all of these things. Like, let's put it in, let's put it in. You're like, 
well, you know, actually what we did last year worked pretty good too. Like let's, let's not just throw that out. You know, there's a couple of things we need to be mindful of. And so just, just being, being careful of staying true to who you are with adding in the little one percenters to make you a really special team. One thing that I thought was really neat, you know, I kind of embrace this idea of, you know, the coaching tree that I'm under right now being at Stetson with, you know, Donnie Jones. He's worked for several great coaches with Billy Donovan at Florida and Anthony Grant. So trying to understand my head coach better, you know, trying to watch old Florida film, watch Oklahoma City Thunder film, watch Dayton film and try and get inside of his head. So when he says things, you know, I kind of understand where he's coming from or, you know, Brennan Sir is on our staff. So just kind of watching some old NBA clips from the 90s and 80s, some of the teams he coached and just getting getting kind of inside the people I work with getting inside their heads by studying that film. And I feel for myself, it's allowed me to understand where they're coming from a little bit more. I kind of see what they're talking about. Um, so that's been kind of a, a unique thing that I've embraced over this quarantine time. Mike, uh, can you talk about the, what you and I had discussed and what you sent me with your own coaching philosophy? I would be interested to know how many coaches have actually sat down and wrote out what their philosophy is. Um, I know that everybody would, they have it in their brain, but even what it did for you and being able to put that on paper and then maybe even to refine some of the things or to clear up some of the things that you thought that you knew about what your philosophy was, but what that actually allowed you to do once you put that to paper. Yeah, it ended up being an amazing exercise uh, and took about two months, which is what I thought this entire mm -hmm. break was going to be. Uh, so I was wrong on that. Uh, but in March and April, uh, you know, basically once our season kind of came to an abrupt end after that first week, uh, it was, you know, what am I going to do uh, with my time? And, I, you know, I'm not very organized as a weakness of mine. And so I have notes kind of scattered all over the place like we do as coaches where I got a play from here and a tweet from here and a uh, book recommendation there. And so I basically it started off as just trying to organize everything. And in doing so, it became, you know, putting together what I would kind of call my coaching binder portfolio of, you know, if I were to have the opportunity to be a head coach, you know, what would my defensive philosophy be? What would my offensive philosophy be? And then once you start actually writing it out, you come to real, it's way too long because you, you've got so much stuff in there, kind of coach Maxwell, what you were just saying, where it's like, you can't possibly, you know, do all of that. And so it might sound great for that program, but uh, you, you wouldn't be able to use it. And so um, at the risk of, you know, veering off course on my answer here, um, it, it was very helpful. Uh, it clarified for me my why in coaching, clarified the parts that I love about coaching, and then also enabled me to kind of synthesize a lot of the information, things that I like, things that I don't like, what I'd keep, what I'd change, um, and, and to, to try to do so in as succinct a manner as possible, which is pretty tough. Yeah, I think for me as a, a high school coach, been encouraged by the fact that I think the great coaches out there, and I say there's great coaches at every level, um, are very willing to talk to you. So I think sometimes high school coaches think like there's no way, you know, a D2 coach or a D1 coach is ever going to care really to talk to me and take time. And I mean, it's absolutely false if they're the, if they're good type of people that really want to help other people grow. And that's the kind of people I want to be around. So long story short, I, I pretty much tried to reach out individually because um, I'm kind of like a selfish like that. I love hearing like you know, going on webinars and things, but you don't get to like have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. So like, like everyone said, coaches had downtime. So I knew if I texted them, like they probably had a good chance to get back to me. And so I would ask them leadership questions or X's and O's as well, but 
Um, it was email, I messaged people on Twitter, um, DM, all that kind of stuff, just trying to ask different things. The other thing I, I would say I did that was follow followed other people on um, specifically Twitter and watch their teams and what that coach shared, um, different things they liked. That was something that I looked at um, for several coaches that I follow. I went to their their likes and like kind of read through their articles that they had liked or retweeted and different things. And it gave me that chance to kind of get into their brain a little bit more um, and learn from them. So that was probably the, the biggest thing was utilizing that time to, to individually reach out um, to coaches and learn from them. And I, I would say also, as us as coaches, when, when we're mentoring players and we're sharing information or with each other, um, I think that breeds a sense of like, if I'm sharing with others, they're gonna wanna share with me too. It kind of creates that relationship where, hey, this guy wants to learn, he's growing. And so I try to do that um, where I send out texts to a lot of groups uh, of coaches and just try to encourage them with what I've been learning. And it's so much fun to then get a response back from a ton of coaches saying, hey, here's a thought off of that. Or, hey, I don't know if that's totally true. Like, what do you think about this? And that that's helpful as well. And it keeps that accountability and keeps us growing as a community of coaches. I'll echo what Kyle just said and then also admonish those who are listening. Don't be afraid to ask others for help or just to ask them to build a relationship and then to learn from each other. There are more guys than you think there are, like Kyle was mentioning, at the whatever level you admire. So what level directly above you or you know, on par with you, somebody that you have admired for a long time. I'm talking about even guys that have been in it for a long time. They're busy, um, but most of them and a lot of them are willing to give time. Um, I'm thinking even of a, a, a D1 coach in the ACC, two of them actually, that over the break uh, I contacted and they're going to be eventually on the podcast, but like, they were more than happy to talk with me about things. Um, you know, I think those that listen to the, to the episode with even Mike, you know, his willingness to build a relationship with me and talk with me and it, really anybody that's here on this show right now. And I think, again, we think that they're like, for some reason, untouchable or they're not willing or they're not willing to talk to us about things, you know, shoot them a DM, shoot them a message, shoot them an email. They may not answer it right away, but a lot of there, there are so many great people and a lot of great guys. And even on the women's side too, have had the relationship to connect with so many of the women's coaches, but there are so many people that are willing to, to help you grow that a lot of people will be paralyzed by the fact that they think, Oh, that I'm not, I'm not important. They won't, they won't answer me or whatever. Just ask. Uh, this is the number one thing that I learned from coach Wingreen probably five or 10 years ago. The worst they can say is no. And most of the time people won't say no because they'll feel guilty to help you out at least. So be willing to ask for help and to talk to them about things. Um, and then the other thing that I heard from several of you that I would encourage people to do is to, I heard this before the pandemic for our society nowadays, because we have so many messages that are being sent to us. The people that are going to find success are the ones who can filter that information and apply what they need to their program. So whether that's you going back and watching film on your your team or another team that plays very similar to you, like what one, two or three things could you pick up and add to your program that will make what you already do even better? You know, we've all heard about con the coaches that constantly change and go to the clinics and bring back something to their organization and they end up becoming nothing in particular because they're always just trying something new. But can you take all of this information and this noise that's being sent to us and filter that down and use it for your program and for your organization to make your group better? Um, and 
on that note of group better, this group has been a, uh, a help and encouragement to me as a coaching, uh, as a coach and somebody in this pro profession. Um, and I appreciate each one of you and appreciate the time that you've given to us tonight. Before we head out, I want to uh, say thank you as well to Huddle and everything that they do for coaches and for our programs. Um, just again, want to mention to you the Huddle Assist. I took advantage of that this morning and was blown away by the how quickly they got back my game. I think I uploaded it at like 930 and had it all the way back. I'm not going to make any promises for them, but um, I, I had it back within about three hours, which was a huge help uh, to me. And all of the information that went along with that was incredible. So appreciate Huddle and everything that they do. Thank you to each one of you for joining us tonight. We'll talk to you again, hopefully, next time at another webinar series that we'll have coming in the future. We'll talk to you later. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out. Thank you.